Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 175 of the Becoming Human podcast. Took a little bit of a break there, and now we're back in full force. And this episode is about Fletcher Jordan. He is an adventurer who's passionate about peak bagging. Peak bagging is where your main goal is to get to the top of a mountain. Usually people will follow lists or they'll just be really motivated by mountains based off of the objective challenge or the point of view that they get um, or maybe even the relationship to where they live. Jordan has completed the Washington Bulger List, the Washington Top 100 Peaks, and is working on finishing the Washington Top 200 Peaks. He has walked the path to specializing in a niche that he obviously loves dearly. In this episode, we dive into what that life is like and what draws him so intensely into these wild perches atop the mountains. Fletcher has a YouTube channel where he records his peak bagging adventures. I love that he uses subtle music, um, the way he does his transitions, and the fact that it's mostly video. The picture slideshows, while I understand, ah, they're just so hard to get through, but I'm a nerd. <laughs> I tried to scour the internet for um, videos about peak bagging and backcountry travel and the Cascades, Pacific Northwest, really. Um, I just love it, you know. And you can find that on uh, Fletcher Jordan on YouTube. And I'm going to play you in with a song by Enzo called Overthinker. You can find the link to that in the show notes or on the website. Enjoy. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation servant but a bad master and all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality that's to say we confuse science with the real world pretty epic adventure in the Cascades, man. You like, you got cool videos on YouTube that detail your, your trip reports going up into the mountains, like in particular, uh, your recent one, Spider Mountain. That one looked really pretty. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah, thank you. What uh, what motivates you to, to make these videos? Because I imagine it takes a lot of work with the editing. Yeah, I've gotten better at it in the last few years, like more efficient. Um, I think I just kind of enjoy having something to look back and watch mm. and I get a kick out of like my family watching it and being like, Oh, these are so cool. I can't believe you're out doing this shit. So 
So generally speaking, I only like, I, I make videos for like more technical routes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even though like, that's not the only thing I do, but. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe uh, what it's like in, in these in, in the alpine environments uh, with unless you have and photos do it justice, but you know photos and videos and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, it's not. It's more than just climbing to the top of a high point and looking around, right? Definitely, definitely. There's a lot of planning that goes into every trip and. Like what kind of planning? Like, is it just like you got to figure out what kind of food you need and what kind of water or some more detail? Well, first you got to figure out where you want to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different factors that go into that decision making. Um, and then how am I going to get to this mountain? Cause there's different approaches to every peak, right? Like different trails and different stuff. trails, different rivers and different access roads, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, what do I need in terms of my equipment? What's the weather going to be like? What kind of like camping gear do I need? Do I need to bring a tent or like, is it going to be really nice out? So I don't like need a tent. I've noticed uh, that like you is um, doing some like a, not bringing like a bivy, right? Like a bivy sack where uh -huh. you're going to just slink into it. I've noticed y'all um, camping on like sleeping bags just right out in the open on nice days. Open bivy. How's that? Why, what's so appealing about that? Uh, not carrying a bivy. <laughs> But also heavy. just being out, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I love that. If you, if you know, the weather's going to be really nice. Then I hear that like, cause I haven't done that yet. Okay. And just cause I was like, maybe I, I don't know, anxiety or something like that, but I want to, mm -hmm. cause I was reading all about different tent setups and stuff. But when you're in a tent, you don't really feel outside. Like when you're okay. going to sleep, you don't get to watch the sunset, you don't get to see the stars really. Even yeah. if you have a little mosquito net, you still don't get to see much of that. And the walls are kind of closed off. Then when you wake up, you're not like in the mountains in that way. You're in mm -hmm. the tent. Is mm -hmm. that That's, pretty accurate? Yeah, immersing yourself completely in <laughs> in uh, the environment that you're in. Is it cold and like wet in that way? Because the Can condensation be. from the wind or something? Can be. You wake up with a wet sleeping bag sometimes. Yeah, um, but it's not a shiver baby. It can be. <laughs> I've had a few shiver babies. Uh, but you make that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's never, it's never that bad. Yeah. So, that's what I thought. My mind trends more on the anxious side. You know, I've had totally. through experience. I found that out. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, you you get cold, but in the morning you get moving and you're you're warm. Yeah, you probably just sleep with your layers on too. Huh? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. that's nice because like. Changing is a hassle. I remember when I was a kid and everyone wanted to change. <laughs> my son still, he's like, I'm in my PJs. I'm like, those are your day clothes, man. <laughs> right. Um, so when you, when you're doing like the, the route finding or the planning for the, for the trip and stuff like that, is it like, is it very straightforward how to get to the top of the peak? Like a lot of hiking, I think 80% of hiking is that way, right? Where you're like, this is the trail. I just have to know which forks to, which way to go on the forks. Right. And that's about it. Yeah. Is that your experience? Um, no, I mean, so you, you take it, you take a trail somewhere, right? 90% of the time you're going to have some sort of trail getting you into the mountains. Right. Mm -hmm. But eventually you're going to leave the trail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, with technology these days, I mean, we have it pretty easy. You know, you got your phone and you can see on the map, like exactly where you are. And like, okay, like I'm, I'm on this trail, but we have to go up this drainage that doesn't have a trail on it. So 
we're leaving the trail at this point and we're just going to turn uphill and we're going to go up this drainage and that's where like more rock finding comes into play I guess because you'll just have what you know you know where you need to go and you know like roughly where you need to be on the map but then you like have things that come up in front of your face and you're like oh there's a cliff there so like we have to go this way to get around the cliff or like oh that looks really brushy and I don't want to subject myself to going through that brush so like we need to figure out a way to get around it does that do those choices do all of those come down to um defining how comfortable you will be when you're navigating or does some of them make it to where it's impossible to continue on if you make the wrong route fighting choice or getting you know, turned around a long ass day yeah yeah i mean that's the both of those factors i guess um come into play but go ahead and with the br- with the brushiness is there like getting can you get turned around by brush I don't think I ever have, but you can certainly get slowed down. <laughs> like and, how slowed down? Oh, like very slow. Like it can take you like an hour to go a quarter mile. What? And that just sucks too. Like it's not fun. Oh my gosh. Is it like anything in particular? Like, is it like slide alder? Slide or like- alder. Like slide alder is like the worst. Cause you have to, cause you, it, you move through it very slowly. I heard they're like the prison bars of the forest. Oh, that's like, <laughs> not, I've never heard that, but that, that, yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> when you're doing slide alder, though, is it like, um, well, I guess the, the name slide, but is it on like flatter terrain or do you deal with it on like really steep terrain quite a bit? Mm, in my experience, generally, you're, if you're go, like trying to cross through a path of slide alder, you're going to be kind of like in a valley bottom where it's like flatter. But I've also had experiences where you're trying to like either descend or ascend a slope that slide alder. And so you're like either going up and down up sucks because the way it kind of grows downhill, you know, mm-hmm. but going downhill, you kind of like it's more natural to kind of like follow the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the moral of the story is that slide alder is to be avoided. <laughs> to be avoided. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, do you learn those things uh, through reading about them or do you learn them through trial and error, like getting turned around or getting fucking stuck in slide alder? Experience. Yeah, I didn't. When I got into like climbing and stuff, I didn't really do a whole lot of reading. I didn't, I never read like Freedom of the Hills or anything like that, but just kind of getting out there in the mountains and, you know, learning lessons that way. Mm. And also, you know, having mentors that, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, Mm -hmm. but this older dude that like was going to take me out on some trip, like he knew what he was doing. So learn from him, you know? Wow. That like, would you ever want a mentor for just trail hiking? No. Why? Um, maybe for like backpacking, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, there's certain things that you need to know and, and, but for hiking, I just put one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. you know? So when it comes down to like, um, like route finding, I guess this would be sub up subalpine route finding right if you're going through bushes and things yeah. like that yeah uh what are some common obstacles in addition to slide alder that you come across cliff bands um you know like avalanche um gullies and stuff like that like runnels like river crossings i guess is like a big one you know you get to a creek and you're like okay well we have to cross this but like how do we cross it mm-hmm. um you know you can either find a log best option 
of course, just walking across or bus scoot across the log. Or you gotta take your uh, shoes off and maybe take your pants off actually most in most cases and uh, get in the cold water. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes can be dangerous because if it's if it's high water it's it's moving, you know. How cold is the water in the on average on the routes you go? Because there's a lot where we're at, they're glaciated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, it's cold. Yeah. Like it's very like cold. Bone chilling cold. Yeah, yeah. Super cold. It's what's funny is if you're fording a river in the summertime, it's like feels so cold but in the winter. I think like I've forded rivers in the winter mm-hmm. and you're like, well, it's not that bad, but I think it's just a, like a temperature differential mm-hmm. thing. Like yeah. if it's cold outside. The water's going to feel less cold. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, fording rivers is good stuff. Is it pretty hazardous? It can be mm-hmm. like, I was talking about trying to, you know, figure, making decisions on how to access different peaks. And like that, one example of that that I can remember is like, I wanted to go climb these peaks in the Pesate wilderness that you're familiar with um, a few springs ago. And the, st- I, the standard approach to get into these peaks, you have, you have to cross this river. And in the, in the, in the summer and fall, it's just, you- rock hop across right but i wanted to get in there in the spring when like you can't afford that thing it's move it's just with spring melt it's super high uh-huh. um so you look at a map and you're like okay well how uh, you know how else can i access this area because i can't go that way and we figured out a different way to go and you know got our peaks so it was cool wow. so when you when you were looking at the map did you just find another place to cross or did you just have to like literally navigate around and in between these uh, uh, water sources. So we went in a completely different direction so that we could, or from, from, a, from, from a different, you know, approach, like a different um, access road mm-hmm. so that we could cross the river like substantially further upstream where, you know, above other tributaries that flow into it. So I mean, the creek's just like a lot smaller, mm-hmm. you know. That's, see that, that's a lot of... Um like very nuanced information. Cause when I would get out, start with hiking, uh-huh. there's not a lot of like problem solving. Right. And just straight hiking. Yeah. But that's like an immense amount of problem solving. Yeah. Reminds me of like skateboard, like trying to put together really complicated things, uh-huh. you know, um, and that it's not very sh- straightforward in that way. Right. I think that's part of why I like it. Like the, like the research aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like on my phone, like all day, every day, you know, uh-huh. like looking at maps and like, okay, like I want to do this trip this week. The weather looks good. I have to find a partner, which is half the battle. Sometimes who am I going to talk into like going and doing this shit with me? <laughs> um, and then, you know, you're looking at the map and you're, then you're like, okay, like I know a, my, a friend of mine has climbed this peak. So I'm going to like, talk to him like how what was your experience like what gear do i need like etc 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 like but it's like it's always on my mind like whether i'm in the mountains or not like i'm like it's just always going you know because you just it's a lot of work Mm, yeah you know Is, is there anything else that's um captivated you in that way not really, dude. That's I don't know. I for me, it's I had some friends, Girls, maybe. <laughs> when I was when I'm I'm, I'm a, in a committed relationship now, and I'm, yeah. I'm very happy in that. But I mean, when I was younger, yeah. It'd be fair. I would like when I was younger. I guess I would go on like social media and stuff, uh-huh. and 
um, research girls around my area. And I'm uh, like, hey, that sounds terrible. But I, like, I do a lot of research. And then in podcasts, I do that with people too now. Yeah. But what I found is, is there's this like little thing inside of this, like this tendency that I have. And uh-huh. when I got into the, um, I guess like peak bagging and, and climbing, um, it mapped over that and it absorbed that okay. because I'm obsessed about like, even though I don't get out there as much as you, but like I'll be on maps all the time and looking at routes. I'll always be looking at trip reports and yeah. things like that and trying to figure out like, you know, I have like dream, dream mountains that I want to go on. And even though if, even if I'm not going to go on them, I'll get stuck in these rabbit holes of like looking at ideal routes to go on these future mountains. You know? yeah. And like that research um, component of it is really satisfying and fun. It's just fun, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, you get to think about this trip that you want to go on all the time. You don't really know how it's going to go, but you know, kind of try to wrap your head around it. And like, one thing that I really enjoy about it is like, you know, you kind of, it's fun to go like realize this thing that you've been like researching and like, Oh, okay. Like this is, this is what it's like. Like you kind of like, Oh, is that going to be scary? Or like, Oh, is that going to be gnarly or whatever? And then you get out there and you're like, well, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but it's cool to like, okay, well like now I know what that peak's like now, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, um, certain peaks lend themselves to particular challenges. Would that be fair? Yeah. Um, 100%. Do you have like, is there any peak that you have in mind that has like a particular set of challenges um, that that stick out to you or that you you look back on fondly? Um, yeah, there's a few. I guess the big one is um, Johannesburg, mm-hmm. which you've heard of maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so... Uh, the northeast buttress of Johannesburg is, uh, I think, from the car to the summit of Johannesburg, I think you go like a mile, but you gain 5,000 feet. And it's, I mean, this route is insane. It's so, it has like terrible, terrible bushwhackings, like super sketchy uh, run out rock climbing. Um, <laughs> We did it in late season, so, you know, it has, like, glacial ice climbing mm-hmm. that you don't, like, rope up for because there's not really any way to protect it. And then we bivvied on the summit. Whoa. So that was, like, one of the best trips I've ever done. I did it with two of my oldest high school buddies. Oh, that must have been special. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And, you know, once you once you get up on off the, off the onto the peak, it's, like... The commitment is 100%. The only way up is down. Or the only way down is up, I should say. Wow, really? Yeah. Whoa. And like, so what was the bushwhack like? Because if it's 5,000 feet in a mile, like, I imagine that's very vertical. Super vertical. Like you're climbing trees. Whoa. And I remember my pack being too big to like squeeze underneath. Um, It's hard to to describe. But like... It's these like cliff bands and like really steep slopes that are like choked with like small, like little shrubby trees. Mm-hmm. And you're just using the trees to get yourself up. It's a wow. It's a battle. Do you is it like so steep in that point that if you felt like one of them would snap, you'd go back and like you'd fall backwards and then tumble? Or do you think you just like slide down? You did you you would just hit 
I mean, you can't really like go anywhere, you know? So that route is, you know, it's unique in the fact that, I mean, you want the trees to be there because there wouldn't really be any other way to go up that area, I guess. Um, so yeah, that trip stands out. And then, you know, you get to the summit and you sleep up there. I think a few people have like done it in a day, but that's, you know, I don't want to do that. What, um, what was it like to sleep on the top of the summit? Beautiful. Nah. Yeah. It's not very comfortable. It's not, it's not a super like flat area. So you kind of got to dig out a kind of shitty little spot to put your sleeping pad. But, um, you had to climb a, you had to climb glacial ice to get up there. You said, Uh Uh-huh. What did, you, did you use like what two ice tools and crampons? Yes. And then were you roped up or not roped? No, no, I didn't rope up. How did you feel in those moments, or like how did the party feel going through all of that? Well, if you fall there, you it is certain death. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you just with crampons on and then two ice tools, you feel it's pretty confident mm-hmm. you're not going to fall. You know, yeah, pretty, pretty confident, and it's kind of a short maybe a hundred vertical feet of that. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of flattens out. When you're done, when you guys are all done with that though, was it just like, oh, okay, next, next thing. Or was there like a cathartic moment or a sense of self-reflection of like, yeah, we made it through that. Oh, it was the, the camaraderie, the sense of camaraderie. Cause you know, everybody, you either climbed the Northeast buttress of Johannesburg or you haven't, <coughs> you know? So to become somebody that has, you're like, oh, okay, that was, that was awesome. Wow. Yeah. But that's only half the battle, so you have to get down. How, how is it like to get down? Because seeing how it's steep and stuff, is it like you guys are putting, um, you know, like a tat or webbing uh, so then you could like repel from that? Or are you having to down climb? So you go down a different way. Oh, you do? Then you go up. Yeah, nobody descends the northeast buttress. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go down the east ridge, which is a lot of like really airy, loose, class three, class four, uh, scrambling and then I don't even know how many repels we did but like a lot of repels airy airy and loose so does that mean that you got like you literally have air underneath your your heels from time to time and if you like or or if you if you were to like accidentally kick a rock right uh-huh that you'd watch it go to the, to the bottom of the valley you would watch it tumble down you know really rugged, nasty, steep terrain. That's not to say that like it's it's super steep and like you don't want to fall, mm-hmm. but to say that like you're on the side of like it's not like Alex Honnold mm-hmm. shit, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nasty terrain and a lot of it I mean, if you fall, you're, you're gonna be severely injured mm-hmm. you know, and you're not roped up for a lot of that stuff. You're There's no way to rope up for it so Coming off of like, since you're going down that ridge in the morning, it's the East Ridge, right? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're looking into the sunrise. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. How how is that? Like, what what kind? How is the scenery in that? And oh, traveling on that landscape. Amazing. I mean, you wake up at eighty two hundred feet in the North Cascades, and all the all the peaks are painted in Alpenglow. And what's Alpenglow look like? Uh, it's like a pink slash orange slash like purple glow that the peaks get at dawn and dusk and the the snow reflects a lot of light so yeah do they they, does it capture a lot of that light totally totally and to be fair like of course i've been up there you know Uh, i know there's like a lot of people that have seen alpenglow but what i've like been especially when there's quite a bit of snow yeah like 
that I have never seen something so beautiful in my life. It's amazing. You can look at pictures, but yeah, I it's, mean, it's not the same thing. No, <laughs> like, have you? Um, what's it like seeing the sun come above the horizon from such a high elevation? Awesome. Because it wouldn't be like Colorado, right? I've never been to Colorado, so it's pretty ignorant. But in, in a place where you're up high uh-huh. and the horizon's down low, yeah. doesn't it lend to a different sunrise than if everything's like staring straight at? Because I've seen a sunset here before when I was in the mountains, uh-huh. and it was like the sun was setting, but it was still above the horizon. Like right. it, it did all the normal things when it's uh, when it's down the horizon. When I'm at here at like sea level or whatever, uh-huh. but when I was up there, it was still above the horizon and doing that that weird color. Super cool. Um, I guess it's just different depending on whatever particular place you find yourself on any particular morning. You know mm, what I mean? That makes sense. Um, so like a good on when we climbed Spider last weekend, the idea was. You know, it's a snow climb. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of snow in the mountains this year this for, for the time of year that it is. Um, so stability, snow stability concerns are, are still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is, okay, so we have to wake up like at dawn and we want to get to the summit and then back down before the sun hits the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't get to really get watch sunrise that morning. What's the consequence of... Um of the snow stability issues when you're snow climbing like that. Well, you know, I mean, if you get caught in an avalanche, that's not, not a good thing. And they're all wet, loose avalanches mm-hmm. at this point, right? So it'd be really heavy and, uh, potentially very damaging to a human body, I, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, is there any kind of like, uh, does it cause any kind of problems for cold, like ascending snow that's soft like that? You just like wallowing. Yeah, and that's what it was like for us on this on this recent trip. And a lot of, I was, I was with two friends of mine, and a lot of checking in. You know, oh hey Josh, how you feeling about this? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it's okay. Like, I think it's okay too. Let's keep going. And I almost turned around a couple times. Yeah. I, I wasn't convinced that it was totally good. But what's the what are some of the things that you were seeing that was making you unsure? Uh, really punchy snow so like mm-hmm. soft you you know what you want is like it to be icy yeah so you're like front pointing at your crampons and you're like there's no you know i'm not going to go anywhere mm-hmm. um <laughs> but when you're sinking into your knee mm-hmm. with and you're just like i mean there's there's positives to that too it's mm-hmm. you know oh yeah you're like a dead man step. anchor yeah exactly <laughs> but when the sun hits this what's going to happen mm-hmm. you know it was also the hottest day of the year so far Ooh, and you were on like what like a like a forty five degree or greater than forty five degree mm, slope? Forty five to like at the steepest maybe sixty five. Uh, oh, that's okay. pretty steep. That is pretty steep. Yeah. So that's interesting because that's the different dynamics. Because if like people were at a valley bottom, you know, and they're like hiking and they're post holing that deep, that's like one thing on a flat terrain, right? To be perpendicular to the to the uh, angle. But to be almost closer to parallel to the angle, I imagine, is a little bit different. Totally. Feeling. Totally. And then also looking down, too, because you're like post, you're you're punching almost down the slope mm-hmm. in some way. And for if you look at that, like, I I think it's cool that maybe I, a little hyperbolic, but the perspective of things when you're ascending um, something of like of steepness, because right. when you're going up, 
the whole, it's a very rare time when the, the ground encapsulates your whole vision. Uh-huh. And then when you're going down, it's a very rare time when the whole sky or air is taking most of your vision. Most of our life, it's like 50% ground and 50% air. Um, but it's in that it really influences you emotionally and all those things, I imagine. Totally. Totally. Um, and I remember, you know, we were climbing and I was like thinking like, dude, should we turn around? Like, I don't like the snow. It's just weird. It's funky, but you get, you're, you're jacked, Mm. you know, you're, it's a, it's a rush. It's like, dude, let's just keep going. And like, it'll probably be fine. (laughs) Um, but I think that's part of the, uh, the draw is the, is the adrenaline and the, the feeling like you're in danger, but you're the risks that you're taking are manageable. Mm -hmm. Um, but you do know that if you fuck up, like the consequences can be very dire. Mm. Is this the only place in your life that you get that experience? Like the, if you fuck up, the consequences could be dire. I mean, it's like that with everything, right? If you fuck up in your relationship, the consequences. Does it feel that? Does it elicit that emotional response? No, like this does. No, that's it. You know, like you were talking about your kid getting into skateboarding. Like I mm-hmm. used to skateboard when I was a kid and I loved oh, it. Yeah. I loved it. And you get adrenaline rushes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a different deal. Like, like trying to kick up a six stair mm-hmm. rather than like being up in the mountains being like, dude, if I fall here, I literally will like tumble down to my certain death. And is it the difference in, um, in, in texture or quality uh, with the adrenaline and the, those feelings? Or is it also a difference in duration? Because I think of that sometimes, that when I get into the Alpine and I'm in some more consequential terrain, yeah, like, it's sustained adrenaline. Definitely. Whereas, like, the skateboarding, it's like, one hit, and then, like, come down. Then one hit, and then come down. Totally. And it's and that gives it even a different texture. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, you know, because, like... I'm just going to keep using this, this particular trip because I keep mm-hmm. talking about it. Um, you know, you leave the car and you're anticipating the gnarly part that's coming, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's that aspect to it. And then, you know, there's like difficulties of the approach that we were talking about a little bit before, but you're not, it's not like dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Until you get to the base of the peak and then, you know, you take your break before it, before you get on like the, the dangerous section and you're just kind of like, okay, like, let's go check her out. And then, you know, okay. So you climb up and you're, you're in like the, the dangerous section and you're and, and the adrenaline's there. Right. And then you get on the summit and you can kind of hang out. Like you're safe up there for a, for a few minutes, mm-hmm. but the whole time you're, you're thinking like, well, we have to go back down the same way we came mm-hmm. and the sun's coming up. So like, we got to get going. Uh, but then you finally get down and you have that sense of relief. Like, okay, we, we got the peak and we're in relative safety now, but we also have 14 miles to get out to the car and it's getting hot out. And like, it's probably going to kind of suck. Um, and we don't get a cold beer till we get to the car. Hmm. So it's almost like, like a it's hard to explain for me but 
like levels like you know you leave the car and like it's almost like climbing the mountain itself like your mood you know because mm-hmm. you don't you don't once you get back to the car it's finally like that sense of relief like okay like that trip was awesome but i'm also like happy that it's over mm-hmm. um because now i get to go like eat a real meal and go home and, like see my girlfriend yeah you know you get the alleviation of all of that tension that's been built totally right? and totally you know there's like there's that cliche like the grass is greener on the other side um, I find myself sometimes like there's certain things that are very compelling. Um, and I guess it's type two fun, but yeah. that like, it's like type two fun feels so, so satisfying to me, uh-huh. not intellectually, just emotionally. Yeah. And it persists after the activity is done. It almost, um, becomes more once I finish the activity. Totally. And you know, like type one fun is like fun when it's happening. Type two fun is like, you know, kind of not too fun when it's happening, but really fun when it's over, I guess. Yeah. Like it's fun, but it's not yeah. like it is fun. And then like the fact that like, it's not fun is fun. Yes. And that's, that's <laughs> what it is. And that's, and I love that. Cause it's like, sometimes I'll be like, Oh, it'd be so much better if I were like home right now and things like that. And yeah. I'm just like thinking of the place that I just left. Like I spent all my time at home or some of my time at home, um, romanticizing and fantasizing about this upcoming adventure. Uh-huh. And then I go out on the adventure and there's a point in the adventure where I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be home? And then like, but I've learned to deal with that so it doesn't corrupt my adventure and yeah. I can be present, right? Just like I try to be present at home. Mm-hmm. And but if I still keep that in my mind and I don't push it out, it'll be a building tension so that when I get home, I have a sense of gratitude that I don't know if I could have created artificially. I'm like, I don't think you probably couldn't have, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to artificially create an ex, like an experience of like trudging out in the North Cascades and climbing a peak and hurting and suffering and getting eaten by bugs and bushwhacking and getting all banged up. And I mean, it like, you have to be tough, dude. Mm-hmm. You really do. And I try to like tell people that in my life that like, don't, that don't have those experiences. And they're just like, they just, they don't, they don't understand it. But the best way to show them is to like make a video of it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. they can look at pictures and blah, blah, blah. But like watching like the movement of the camera and like actually seeing like, Jen, I I like film my friends more. So like, it's like my my friends are kind of like in the video more than like, I'm not really. Mm -hmm. But you know, watching my buddies like move through the terrain of the mountains, like, I think like when my grandma watches it or something, she's like, okay, like I can kind of see what that's like. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to convey those kinds of things without those, um, without that content. Yeah. And being tough is interesting because I think like being tough is a really hard thing to, um, to explain. And it's a really hard thing to, um, to encourage people to be mm-hmm. in this, in our current like modern life. Yeah. Because, like, it's confusing. Because sometimes, like, if you, like, if I tell my son to be, like, you know, if he falls or if he, like, just in, like, life, when we don't have an objective that he's passionate about, I don't know if I could teach him to be tough. Right. Because I, I don't know if I, it's very confusing when it's, like, I'm trying to help build him up or I'm just being a dick. Yeah. You know, or, like, and, like, you know, you get the, like, I'm thinking really shorthand, like participation trophies, all these other things where it's like you, in order to improve the accessibility, Mm -hmm. it's not to like, 
um, inc- find out a way to increase the resiliency so that uh-huh. people can access it. It's how can I lower the baseline so right. more people can access it. Um, like skateboarding, right? Like I could like, for my son, I could probably, I can give him all the pads and uh-huh. if he was still scared, I could probably get bubble wrap and like fucking wrap him up in bubble wrap, right? right? But there is a component to like, you really want this, right? Mm-hmm. This is what it's demanding of you to get that. Yeah. And I don't know how I could create an abstract or artificial scenario for people to go through that. Because I don't even know, because I'm compassionate and I'm loving. And um, sometimes I'm really hard and firm for no reason. Yeah. But when you go up into like the mountains or even like, I guess, martial arts, is that's still hard because your partner could be nice. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but skateboarding is a similar thing. You can't like, when you drop in, you kind of got to be ballsy for that. Right. Totally. Um, but it's anyone, scary the first time you drop in. So scary. And that's it. And you, you, I can't take that away. I could hold your hand. Right. Yeah. I, we could put a suit on you. But it's right. like, it's still pretty scary. Totally. Then you get into these other places where it's like no fall terrain. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can use a hand line or there's some ways you can. Sometimes. But you yeah. can't remove. I guess what it is, is there's certain things that you can't even remove. So if you want to do it at all, you have to confront those things. Totally. And I think those for me as a person and developing my own self-worth and my character, those have been really gratifying for me. Yeah. Because I've been able to avoid some lessons, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been accommodated for. And I don't think we should be in a society where you don't accommodate for people. Yeah. But there's certain activities you could like go out and do and you just got to face some shit or else you aren't going to do it. You got to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have turned around 100 feet below the summit over the, over the weekend. Done that. Yeah. And so have I. <laughs> yeah. It happened. Yeah. But you know what sucks? You still got to hike out. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, and that's and see, that's what it is because it's like. You could do like, oh, like I do with my son. I've done that even in skateboarding because it doesn't have this. I'd be like, we could quit any time. Like mountain biking is the same thing because you're going uphill. Right. And it's like, we can quit any time. But guess what? When you go, when you quit and turn around and mountain biking, you just get a coast downhill, man. That's right. You know what you're going to do in this situation? You, we can quit any time, but we got to go and do all yeah, that work. Again. You're not really quitting though. No. You know? And I love that. I love that too. It's a commitment. It is. It is. It's 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 a big deal. And I don't have to be like the skateboarder because I don't do this with my son's skateboarding or mountain biking. I'm not like I have a a principle of commitment, uh-huh. and I'm going to enforce that upon you because I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. So doing these kinds of things where it's like even hiking, right? We'll go backpacking. Yeah, and he'll be like, oh, I'm tired, right? And it's like, well, the cars x miles away right so you got to figure out how to cope with this because i can't even carry you because i'm i'm tired too yeah you're like 60 pounds man right like so we gotta we we have to problem solve to get through this Mm -hmm. and there's only one way to regain your comfort and it's to put one foot in front of the other until you get to the car yeah you know and i can't even save you even if i want to yeah and that's i think that's i mean that makes it a unique sport Mm-hmm. You know, because there's not really anything else like that. I mean, I guess like maybe sea kayaking or mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I mean, there are with search and rescue and stuff these days. And I've heard yeah. stories of people like they're calling a, they're calling a chopper up there just because they're worked or whatever, oh, really? um, or making it or or like lying about being injured mm-hmm. or being or lying about being in a worse situation than they really are in because they're 
fucking works. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I don't want to hike out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's that, that's the thing that I have with all these other, like in jujitsu, it can be very confusing. Like when, like that moment when you're the search and rescue person or yeah. you're the person responding to someone talking to you like that, it's very confusing whether or not like, oh, they really do need help. Right. Or, or they don't, and they need to be pushed. You're good. Um, hi. <laughs> well, the search and rescue is going to go rescue. Yes, of course. Somebody, no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. they, they just have to go. But, um, that is an interesting and I don't, Dilemma. but that, that's thing that you say with the search and rescue is what I'm talking about with all the things is I don't think I want to be in a society where that, it, where people will be like, oh, dude, you'll figure this out. Fuck off. And right. the same thing in the jujitsu. I love the like compassion and the accommodation. Yeah. But I do think it has certain problems when you don't ever have that kind of experience in your life where you have to like, you know, have that SAR call. Cause when you do call SAR, like that's. That's a lot bigger than just saying, all right, I'm tap you, you know, in jujitsu, you tap when you totally. get a submission, but you can actually tap whenever and you're allowed to, you're uh-huh. supposed to. Uh-huh. So if you're like really uncomfortable, you could tap and people won't shame you or anything like that. Right. But SAR, like, they're not going to shame you, but I know that. No, but Facebook will. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like, okay. <laughs> and I guess I'm not asking people to shame people, but it should have some no. emotional, like, uh, pain to not from Facebook, but to have all these people come out and rescue you for something that you could have just walked through and you could have just persisted. Right. And I don't want to create a sense that that's like a rampant problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, no. I, you know. But that's what I, but I mean though, is, is that the, the act of calling SAR and all, like for me, even what that means mentally and even maybe financially that I don't have insurance. Yeah. Um, that already prevents most people from doing that. Right. It's so hard. Totally. Right? And I've had a couple friends, I mean, multiple <coughs> situations luckily for me thank god i've never had to be involved with search and rescue at all but um in the last few years i've had a couple friends have to get airlifted out of the mountains for different injuries that they've sustained and like thank god we have that service yeah exactly. you know or else like in one case my buddy would have probably not survived oh, no. you know so it's a good thing yeah, it's a good thing. And the people who do it too, because a lot of or all of them are volunteers. I think it's mostly supported by by, by volunteers. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, and that's a huge commitment. All the shit you need to learn, like that's a big and deal. being available, so you got to be on call. I imagine. Right. 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 Yeah. And, um. Well, actually, it's not even a SAR thing, man, because I've experienced this in general in the mountains and, and recreating in the in the backcountry. I think that would be more accurate. Not not hiking though, like skiing, uh-huh. climbing, peak bagging. You and you were talking about it with your friend when you guys were climbing the snow and the snow was softening. Uh huh. In those moments, you check in with your partner, right? Yeah. But I don't think. Uh, do you think it's it's easy to be honest in those moments and when you want to retreat, or do you find you push yourself just a little more? So you're thinking. So <laughs> I'm thinking to myself. I mean, this snow's probably fine, mm-hmm. but like I'm kind of sketched out right now. And then I yell back to Josh, who's also he's experienced. Mm-hmm. And you think, Josh, what do you think? And he's like, <laughs> I think it's fine, but like we're both doubting yeah. ourselves but like talk maybe talking each other into the 
thinking that it's fine so that we can keep going because we don't turn around. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to like not get this summit after I am spending my, these two days getting back in here so hard and working so hard to do it. Um, but I think Josh and I are both thinking the same thing. And he told me when we got up there, he's like, dude, if you, if you called it, I was going to be right there with you, you know? And I've had that, you know, going to, I was climbing Prussic Peak over in the encampments. Um, And we were hiking through and, and I think I was just, I was really tired Uh as we're getting to the approach to the climb itself. It's a long, it's a long ways in there. 15 minutes in and it was a heavy pack for me at the time. And I'm just like, Hey, like to my partner, you know, if you want to go back, it's okay. I'm cool. And they're like, are you, I'm, uh, uh, I'm good. Do you want to go back though? And I'm like, oh no, I'm great. Yeah. And just check just, it in. Yeah, just <laughs> going. And I was just tired. So it wasn't like, it was whatever. And I've had that in a few accounts to where like, it's, you fall to that group dynamic, you know, right. a little bit. And it kind of like helps push yourself a little more towards the thing you would like to go to, but you might be having a hard time. Oh, it, having partners is important. I mm-hmm. I like to get out solo sometimes. Like, I enjoy it, but it is so hard to motivate sometimes. Yeah, like, I've, I have had times where I've, I'll, I'll drive up to a trailhead and I'll be by myself and I'll start hiking and I'll get a couple miles in and I'm just like, man, it's fucking lonely out here. I'm mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm okay. done. I'm yeah, good. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> you know, I've done the same thing too because it's just you and your thoughts, and it's like your thoughts can be pretty persuasive sometimes. <laughs> totally, but if you got a buddy with you, you're like, no, let's yeah. let's keep going because what's what is more persuasive, I think, than your thoughts is your relationship. Definitely, definitely, and you know, it's a huge time commitment to get out to the mountains and go do a trip that you want to go do, <laughs> so you don't want to like waste your friend's time yeah you but know? that that's what i mean because it's it affects the relationship in that Definitely. way you don't want to burden maybe it's a certain personality because i notice i'm good at well i'm not like athletically great but i'm good mentally at endurance things uh-huh. so i'm good at putting myself through hell on behalf of satisfying other people okay so when i go with a like it might be a me thing you know uh-huh. or a personality thing because i have some friends where they they might um have the lesson for them might instead of asking themselves more what they need mm-hmm. is to ask other people, the people around them more what they need, you know, cause they're right. just like, this is what I need. Let's do it now. But right. so it helps me in this kind of activity, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, so that's that thing with commitment. Like I've been able to commit to things that I would have struggled with in other environments uh-huh. and even by myself, but because I'm in this with this other person and they just had to work hella hard to get here. Yeah. Just cause I feel this way. I might, actually make it totally i've had so many trips like that where i would have turned around had it not been for my partners mm-hmm. you know so do you um what is it what does it feel like emotionally when you are checking in with your partner like that um is it is it as simple as like oh, i'm tired i want to go or do you have like a lot of big emotions inside of you when you're a little unsure and you're checking into your partner. Um, it's like getting to the summit, like I'm particularly on like a, like a tough, like scary, gnarly peak, you know, with a, with a buddy of yours. I mean, that's an emotional mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. It's uh creates a bond that I don't, I mean, I have friends that I don't, share the love for climbing with and like we have a good relationship and like it's great but your mountain buddies are 
your mountain buddies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you see each other at, at your most vulnerable states. And um, it's just like a different level of like, you know, because I'm like literally like my life is in your hands, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've always really appreciated that aspect of it. Did you, when did you recognize that that made you, that that developed like a, a quality of a bond that you'd never had before? Um, probably pretty early on in my, in my climbing career, especially because I was like really not experienced. Mm-hmm. And like, so I was like really dependent on other people to like show me, like, I remember like the very first time I ever repelled was off the summit of uh, Sahali Peak. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. really? And it was so scary, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, and my my old friend John, he, he kind of taught me a lot of that stuff. And he just, you know, he just taught me, you got to sit back in your harness and you just got to trust it. And I remember being so fucking freaked out. Wow. And I mean, it's like, it's exposed up there. Yeah, know? it's first repel. First repel like ever. 7,000 or something feet. Yeah, and you're just kind of leaning off the edge of the cliff. and Wow. But you get down and you're like, Oh, thanks, John. I appreciate it. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's like um, it gives you that sense of community, like a secret handshake. But instead yeah, of a secret handshake. It's this thing that keeps you alive. Totally. <laughs> totally. It's like and that's just messes. that's just after like a long hard trip where like you're going through it on the way out and like you finally get back to the car and you're just like. Nice man, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. So I just I love I love that I love that aspect of it. And the, um, yeah, and being able to be at the the end of your rope or be at wit's end around other people where you're super tired or you're super super anything, you know, yeah. even super elated because you're at the top of the peak. Like yeah. Oh, it feels so good. Yeah, it really does. And it's like it's that level of intensity mm-hmm. I think that's it is it's it's intense mm-hmm. you know it's sharing that experience with 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 your with your friends and just being like dude we did it that mm-hmm. was awesome and like you really like not even to like you know a numbers thing or anything like that in an emotional level you really did something definitely you know definitely that's like I even there's a lot of things like Things that trigger you emotionally um, or give you emotional obstacles, I think, are almost more profound and long-lasting than simply physical obstacles. Yeah. You know? Totally. Like, like, when you say that, like, this is how, like, someone who's really ambitious financially, and they're like, this is how much money I make. Yeah. Right? Like, there's value to that. But when there's, like, emotional obstacles that you had to share with other people and share with your own self, like, mm-hmm. those... Man, those stretch to the ends of time. Definitely. Those are, you know, my most vivid memories mm-hmm. of in my life, you know, or like getting to the top of these peaks, mm-hmm. you know, and just being like, yeah, that was, you'll, I'll never forget it. You know, I'll be 60 years old thinking about like that day that I climbed Lincoln Peak, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. That's wild. And Good stuff. You also, um, you get to visually recount those experiences as you pass those peaks by. Yeah. Like there's something that's tangible. It's something that I had experienced very uniquely here with the volcanoes uh-huh. um, when moving from Idaho to Washington, because 
there there's something about the being at sea level or low elevation mm-hmm. and then you see all these big peaks that rise above that right and then no matter where you are some of these peaks you'll always see them like yeah. you know if i'm from one town to the next yeah. within like a 30 or 50 mile radius i could see baker Mm-hmm. And like I could see North and South Twin Sister. Your and perspective I, just changes a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And every time though that I look at those, I rem- I can recount my experience on them. Totally. And that's, that's awesome. That's what. That. Yeah. It's like gets me. You know. Yeah. It's like, you know, because I'll get up to the top of some peak in the North Cascades and all. I mean, I spent so much time up there that like I just it's like I have a map of the whole area imprinted in my brain, and you know, you look out at this like sea of mountains that I've spent hundreds and hundreds of days out there mm-hmm. and you're like looking and you're like, Oh yeah, I've climbed that and that and that and that and that. And like, you're honestly looking at like, you've climbed like most of the peaks you can see. Yes. And then every single one you look at, you're like, that brings back memories of like that climb and that oh. climb and that climb. And like, I remember who I did that with and who I did that one with and blah, blah, blah. Wow. So. And it's unique. Cause, uh, there's like, uh, when you have like all these like kinds of life experiences, right? Sometimes they could just kind of brush right over you mm-hmm. and you have like ways to anchor your life experiences into physical objects. Yeah. And it's hard cause like what we're doing right now is kind of abstract. Like yeah. we're going to, there'll be a podcast and you could refer back to that podcast. Right. But like, uh, how do you revisit those memories? And sometimes people have photo books of things that they've done in their lives. But in these sense, there's very real landmarks so that every time you see the landmark, you you're anchored and you're associated back with those memories, you know, right. like even in skateboarding is an example. Cause it's all I got right. this second is, uh, is not like that in some ways, because you could remember driving by the skate park, but you have to look down to see the skate park, you know, yeah. and you can't like, you can't see it from afar. Right. You know, and like these mountains are interesting or mountains are interesting because even when you're hiking to them too, Mm -hmm. there's this weird thing where like your objective is we'll be at a distance if you could see it from when you start, even when you're driving. Yeah. Which a lot of times you can't. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Sometimes it disappears and then it comes back into view and you're getting closer and closer and closer to that one, you know, that point or that area that you've visually fixated on. Right. That's actually another aspect of it that I love is like how you know you can't like surmounting some sort of topographical feature Mm -hmm. and you're like and then like you see what's ahead you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like you know because you don't really know what something's going to look like when you until you get there Mm -hmm. you know and so you oh well i think camp's like up that way and then you like go up over a hill and you're like oh fuck we have that fucking far to go still like shit Uh or like i'll do you know some peaks like rental mountain in the in the Pasayan wilderness Mm -hmm. the the approach to it you like you hike up over it's a long approach and you hike up over a pass and you can finally see the peak that you're going to go climb but it looks so far away oh god and you're just like dude that's like so far still like i don't really know if i want to keep going Mm -hmm. but you know you keep going yeah and it gets closer and it gets closer faster than you think it will Mm -hmm. and then before you know it you're like on it what do you, know. you what do you think um, how do you think it influences the texture of the experience when you're traveling um, traveling by foot anything other than a car mm-hmm. um, because the rate in which the object or your destination 
is is enlarging or coming closer to your vision yeah uh it's a lot slower uh-huh. and like sometimes in a car and there's a lot of stuff going on in the car right but there's not often a lot of stuff especially if you're on just a trail mm-hmm. uh, so your mind is bored right, right. emptiness yeah. and you're like you could look and you're like oh it's that far and like the time it takes for it to change dramatically to where you feel like you're a lot closer uh-huh. is a long fucking time yeah it can compared be compared to when you're driving totally right and it's like when you're driving you're all distracted but yeah. you're not when you're hiking and so I find like I I do this there's this weird thing I have in my mind in the association with my thoughts where I'll go I'll like fixate on the point and that fucks me up because time dilates uh-huh. and time seems to drag really far on yeah so I have to do all these like especially by myself, but if I have to do all these like mental gymnastics or I have to like find ways to point my mind and my attention so that I don't fixate on that far away point because it does look really far. And if you really just stared at that same point for the whole time of moving, drive you crazy. And it would seem like it was really far. Right. And you would even can walk slower or or run slower Uh because of how you're feeling because you're not going to drive slower, right? You're just going to keep it at your speed limit. Right. And then it's going to even take longer because I've had this coming out where I'm like, okay, I had five miles to the car and I was making good time. And then I started to hurt mm-hmm. and I started to like feel uncomfortable in my body and tired. And so I'd like, look, <laughs> and I'd like, look at my phone at a high frequency compared to the whole trip. Uh-huh. And those five miles took me longer than the last like 10. Oh, you can't look at your phone. No, you can't. I mean, I am I am guilty of that myself. But you know, and then you you find yourself like every quarter mile. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. I'm gonna look at it is two forty seven right now. I'm gonna look and see how far I'm at three oh five. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't done that one. Oh, and then like, and then but but then you look at three oh three. Yeah. And then you're not as fucking far as you think that you're that you're supposed to be, and you're like, shit, dude, I'm like so over this. Uh-huh. But I always tell like I'm older now, and so like I have some partners that are like younger, and I I see my younger self in them, mm-hmm. and I always like if they're if they're going through it, you just gotta tell them like, dude, like yeah, it sucks and it, it hurts right now. But that's like what makes it worth it. And when we get out of here a week from now, when you're like forgetting about how hurt, how bad it hurt, you're just going to be thinking about how dope that trip was. Oh, yeah. You're not going to be thinking about like how much your feet hurt, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like you forget about that shit. Yeah. And you just think about the next trip. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like it's funny how like. It can it can suck so bad being out there, but like you get home and you take a shower and you have a nice hot meal and like you immediately just want to go suffer again. Yeah, you know. <laughs> See, that's like it's like sick for it in some way because that's yeah. where, um, well, jujitsu did that for me, but like in, in the sense of like like being underneath someone and being like your heart rate's really high and you feel tired and you're like, Oh, I just like, I just want to quit here. And then they, they might beat you. Right. Cause uh-huh. you're just like, Oh, you give up or you, you don't try so hard. Um, but you know that when you look back on it, you're going to remember like those high moments. You're going to remember like the times that you pushed through it. Right. Yeah. And this is like, if you're going to write a, read a story about what you went through, right. This is like, this is the meat of the story. This is when the tension's building. You're tired and you're like, uh, and it's like, you just push right through that. You know, you're people are, you're cheering yourself on right now in the story. Totally. And like, um, 
though putting yourself that low uh, is really satisfying for some reason. Yeah. And like like doing things where I'm willing to suffer and to torment myself. But torment not, is a is a nice word sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like like I would never I would never have thought that until I had these kinds of experiences. Right. You know, like and people would say like with labor, right? where you, you want to do that so you can help your community and you can have prosperity. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not, that actually is not directly obvious anymore because like in our culture, I don't know if it's literally true, but I know it's in our culture it is. Cause they're like, well, if I do that, like this job or that job, like it's not direct that I'm going to be rewarded with prosperity. Yeah. I'm generally just going to get more shit that I've already gotten. Like I'm not going to get more money. Or, or anything like that. Like, usually just skating by uh-huh. and meeting expectations. Uh-huh. Dude, that's what I need to do, you know? Because right. uh, unless you have your own business, you know, like where you get paid for every, like, thing you produce. Mm-hmm. Um, but making yourself suffer in these sense, you get rewarded with prosperity. In that you get rewarded with prosperity in your, in your, your memories. Uh-huh. You get rewarded with prosperity in the, the goals in which you achieve. Totally. You know? Your physical fitness. Yeah. Your, your you know, the, your health. Mm-hmm. Not financially, though. No, not financially. Definitely That's not the, financially. Yes. In fact, it's a drag financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's worth it. Yeah, it is. So. Well, it's no, but no one had to convince you that it was worth it. No, I don't think so. I mean, I also think that uh it takes i mean you have to kind of be a glutton for punishment a little bit Mm -hmm. because i mean that's not for everybody like some people i've had i've hiked people in the past that had a real rough trip and they just kind of slow down after that and they Mm -hmm. don't they don't they don't get out anymore but um i love it that's that's funny that's that's something that i wonder sometimes too is how much of it's like a personality trait yeah. And how much of it is just like a human nature. And I guess it's like, so like, are you, the, or I guess I'll go both of it. Are we the equivalent of people who, uh, are we the outdoor equivalent of people who like to flog themselves? That's so <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. I was actually kind of thinking about that. It's like, I write trip reports for uh, Northwest hikers, you know? And uh, if it's like a really suffery trip, I kind of like to like drop some BDSM innuendo yeah, yeah. in my report. I, I just get a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. Not, I probably goes over a lot of people's heads, but mm-hmm. I get a kick out of it. That's fun. Yeah, because <laughs> like I tr- tr- truthfully, um, just even in terms of hiking, like if you take anything out here in the Chuckanuts, uh-huh. um, like steeper is better, <laughs> and like yeah. off trail and and that na- and having to navigate like having problems is is like is better uh-huh. for for me personally. Yeah. Um, and I really like to put myself into a hole, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of physically and then even like emotionally. I like to feel like, oh, wait a minute, um, I got to really pay attention here because it'll be not very straightforward to get back and find my way back. Right. Or like um, uh, like when I have a route finding problem and I feel a little in peril, not for my life, but for the ability to meet my objective. Right. Like when it's not so straightforward and like la-di-da. Um, I'm super stoked, even though I'm not bagging, like, even though it was unnecessary, because I'll go off trail, uh-huh. you know, like there's like pine and cedar here, which I don't really think I'm supposed to do, but, um, I wouldn't tell the exact route then, but right. it's like pine and cedar steep to get to the, the lakes, uh-huh. but you have to like kind of go around to get to the lakes. Right. 
You could just like go straight up. Straight up the hill. Exactly. Right. That's what you want. Yeah, and there's devil's yeah. club sometimes you gotta go around the devil's oh, yeah. club and it's like I'm excited. I'm no, that's I like I like now. the steep the steep stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And my it hurts, but it's like yeah. yeah it's quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And it's quick going down too. Exactly. <laughs> and like um and that's where some part of me, I just like, I'd wonder, I'm like, why do I like want this? This aspect's really important to me. Because even yeah. if there's not a peak to bag, I want this. Right. And I, because I used to think that like hiking wasn't for me. And I okay. still like, I like to hike, like just a trail, you know, and uh-huh. I do enjoy that a lot. Yeah. But when that's all that I knew it was, even when I didn't know people ran the trails and mm-hmm. they just put like heavy stuff on, like just a, just your like little mountain, like regular trail, yeah. I, um, it was really hard for me to want to do it. I just want to give up a lot of ways. It wasn't very exciting. Right. And then I found out like, oh, there's there's a ton of ways to make it exciting. You know, yeah. you don't even have to just go off trail. You can go faster. Oh, wait. No, there's a ton of ways to make it more intense. Yeah. And that that's what I want was intensity. Because even backpacking, like, you know, Ross, Ross Lake would be a good mm-hmm. one. The bank of Ross Lake, the east bank of Ross Lake, is like a trail that goes right alongside the lake. Beautiful. And it is very beautiful. You're in these trees. It doesn't, like, gain a lot of elevation. Yeah. But, like, that actually takes me a lot of mental discipline to do that. Right. Without having to climb a peak because... I'm not super into... See, that's the thing is, like, I don't really... I mean, like, I will, and I do enjoy, like, going on, like, a nice, chill backpacking trip with, like, Mm -hmm. my girlfriend go and, like, you know, just enjoy being outside. But, like the the peak begging aspect of it is like definitely what motivates me to like keep getting outside often Mm -hmm. you know like i'm not like super into just going backpacking just to go backpacking Mm -hmm. you know like i have to like have a goal i guess a goal could just be getting outside and like enjoying being outside and like but i don't know it doesn't really do it for me it doesn't do it for me either as much yeah that's like because i only knew that so when i went out and did that i was like this is painful and for what and when I just yeah. go to the backpacking thing. Yeah. And that's when I thought, not for me. And then I got introduced to, you know, all these other ways. And I'm like, whoa, dude, wait. You could, like, get back. You could go and do it on top of peaks. So you could use it as, like, a multi-day travel to where you're hiking, route finding, and then rock climbing. Like, I love And I even found that out is when you mix up forms of travel uh-huh. for some reason that's like i love that it's yeah, so, so cool. exciting i me. love those trips where you know it's like oh this road's closed we can bike it so you know like this spring i did a trip up the idiot river where we had to bike like six miles to the end of the road and then you gotta carry your skis for five <laughs> miles of trail and then you finally get up the snow line and then you can start skinning and then that's kind of a cool way to do it yeah that was cool a very uh uh the experience is varied on that mm-hmm. trip. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you get to look forward to a variety of things for different reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause like, yeah. Cause there's pros and cons to all of them. Well, I don't know. Is there, is there pros and cons to, to split boarding or skiing? Yeah. The cons being that, well, I'm a, I'm a split boarder myself yeah. actually. And the, the, the big con is that my split board is fucking heavy and I hate carrying it. <laughs> um, but, the pro is you get to the top of this peak and you put your snowboard together and you get to enjoy the very brief ride down. How brief? Sometimes pretty brief. I oh. mean, minutes. Wow. So, like, you know, wow. That's uh, like 10 or longer, you know, like yeah. now St. Helens. Sorry. It's kind of a, 
long ski, mm-hmm. right? Or Baker. Like I've skied on some of the Baker. That's a that's a pretty fun long ski descent. Yeah. Um, it's fun in those because in skiing and I also I'm getting this in mountain biking is the ratio between the amount of effort it takes to ascend and the amount of it may be better to compare time, but the amount of effort it takes to ascend and the amount of effort it takes to descend. Right. It's like, whoa, this is wild well, feeling. And you're putting a lot of effort. Like I like to hike, so it's like I don't know, it's like the big argument with backcountry skiing is like you have to like to hike because you're spending 90% of your time hiking mm-hmm. and then you get that 10% where you're going downhill and it's fun. Yeah. Right. Um, but I love that. I think that's a great way to go yeah. skiing. I like it too. Cause I like that. The, the buildup. Yeah. And then the release. Definitely. Like that Definitely. so good. Yeah. The, and the ratio to it is just like, <laughs> I do like resort, you know, skiing and stuff, but like that ratio is so fun. Just to build, like, that's a lot. Because it takes, to be fair, what, like, hours for to go up what will take you minutes to go down. Yeah. Like, that is a buildup of, like, for fun and excitement uh-huh. that I don't think I've ever actually had that before. You know, of course, you could probably look at that in your life. Like, I've been working for months to achieve this, you know, financial objective or right. this, this move. But, like, that is, like, and you're ripping fast man i love that i and, and and it's it's very rewarding you know and i get resort skiing is cool you know mm-hmm. you just you get on the lift and you go up and you, you up and down up and down up and down all day but with backcountry skiing i mean you're you're slowly plodding along up this skin track for like you said hours and then you you finally get up to the top and you have your snack and you're all right let's go and then you get that one run yeah. You just get the one fucking run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but that one run is way better than the dozens of runs that you'll get mm. when you're skiing lifts all day. Mm-hmm. You know? And as a human being, if you do both of those things at least like a few times in your life uh-huh. you know, before you die, like that is a very interesting study in quality and quantity. It is. Like, I don't, I don't think, like, you're literally, like, observing how that affects you in your own experience, mm-hmm. you know? And reading about it, I really believe it just doesn't suffice. And not because of how I experience it. Right. It's however you're going to experience that work, work player, work release relationship. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. You well, know? you know, backcountry skiing is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But... Resort skiing is not for everybody either. Yeah. I hate lift lines, dude. <laughs> oh, I do too. Luckily, uh, Baker doesn't have that many. <laughs> no, it's usually Baker's. If I got to go ski inbounds, Baker's Baker's my, my, my call. But it's the same with Disneyland. But I'm not I'm not trying to equate the like the amusement park thing with the lift thing, but the line aspect and like how all that works, right? Yeah. Because it, it literally is. It's like you defer all of your work to infrastructure, which I'm not demonizing that. It's just the relationship. And once you defer to infrastructure, then you have to pay for access and then you have to wait in order for access to be granted. Right. And I mean, maybe there's lines in backcountry skiing stuff, but these days ah, it's, getting really? crowded, it's getting crowded up there. Man, I I did a couple, you know, we had that real cold snap back mm-hmm. before Christmas or around Christmas, whatever. And conditions up at Baker were amazing. Mm-hmm. But you get up there early and you start skinning back there and you know how you just getting back to Bagley Lakes kind of come around the corner I remember one morning we were sitting back there having a snack and I look behind me and there's like 
Oh, I mean, there's like literally hundreds of people back there. Whoa, skiing. really? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, that's nuts. But that's, you know, just the world we're living in. I think hunting, though, would give you more, like backcountry hunting. Well, no, just hunting. Um, actually gives you a history of that. Um, because in Onyx, right, when with the, the mapping company that like bought Mountain Project and all that other stuff, I think. Okay. They so they have like their hunting, you know, their maps, hunters use it. Okay. And there's this thing that happened in, in in hunting is that so there's only a certain amount of like, you know, game, right? Let's say it's like deer or maybe even elk. So like you're hunting for elk and you're able to go in this game unit. Uh-huh. Right, and this game unit is like an area. It's like the North Cascades National Park is like an area, right? Um, or no, Bagley Lakes is like an area. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is, is that people. The trend was, is that right from the access, people would hunt uh-huh. because that was what you what you do. People don't want to exert more effort than necessary in order right. to get to achieve their objective and to yeah achieve their objective, eat their food. Um, well, what they decided to do is people were like, this is what happens. People want to expend the least amount of effort, right, in order to achieve their objective. Makes sense. So people were like, well, rather than competing with those people, mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little further. Yeah. And then that, so that started to happen. And people were going like doing backcountry hunting. Right. And then what happened after after that is that you were to just a little more effort, right? Because you don't, you don't pay to access a place without lines. Mm-hmm. I guess you could for a private ranch, but you put in more effort in order to have more of a solo, you know, experience. Right. Um, but then what happened is, is people were like, that's the way to do it. And that became the thing that everybody did. Right. And so, and then what happened is, is going just beyond the trailhead was where you didn't have to wait in lines or where you could yeah. get your, have your experience. Right. Um, and so it's this like interesting little dynamic that happens. Disneyland, not for the theme park, but for how they deal with access, uh-huh. changed it with like pay for a pass to jump in front of the line. Right. Right. To solve that problem. Um, so they've been thinking about that a lot. I know that some ski resorts kind of do something similar to that too. Mm-hmm. And the back country though, I think you're going to get into that play as time goes on where it's like going further might get you to be alone and you don't yeah. have to wait with other people and compete for space and then maybe it'll trade off like that i don't know we'll see there's i mean you know there's certain places now i mean the whole national park you have permit to go wherever you want to go yeah not that you always get a permit or you know going up in the enchantment you need a permit or but solitude can still be found yeah and i think the, that's in what the cascades I mean. for mm-hmm. sure i mean but it's not so much how far you want to go. It's more like there's popular places that are popular for whatever reason mm-hmm. that aren't sometimes physically difficult to get to. But then there's other places that are not so popular for whatever reason. And like, I mean, I'll get out on the weekends where other places are totally crowded and like won't see anybody. Are you drawn to those places maybe obscure places in particular yeah maybe partially because the mountains that like i don't like climb mountains more like i don't go climb the same peak like over and over again like i want to go climb like a different peak every time i go out you know why is that because that's what peak bagging's all about yeah, okay you know mm-hmm. um and i've been doing it for a long time so i've kind of like 
done the more popular stuff in, in most cases. So like the stuff that I haven't done is more obscure mm. a lot of the time, um, which is a fortunate place for me to be in. I feel like mm. with with peak bagging, um, why what got you explicitly into peak bagging? Because you could you know with all the things that you like to do or the way that you like to recreate, uh-huh. you you could. There's probably all different ways to do that, but you're drawn specifically to bagging peaks. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so like I started when I was younger, I just liked to go backpacking and go camp at lakes and stuff like that. And then I found myself in a situation where I liked to hike a lot more than like my friends did in terms of like frequency. Like I wanted to go all the time Mm -hmm. and I ended up meeting some people to go out with. And they were peak bag. They were like peak baggers. Mm-hmm. And so I like started peak bagging with like, you know, some who now are old friends of mine. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, oh, this is so cool. And I guess I just got the bug. They say, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you can get the bug. And I, I got the bug. <laughs> um, and f- why? I don't know why. I mean, there's like peak bagging lists that yeah. can motivate you. Um, which I'm, I'm definitely, definitely, uh, guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've crossed off like more than six of those lists. What are those lists? What do you got? What you got there? You got, um, the Mountaineers Cascade Classic. Okay. Um, the Mountaineers Five Peak Pin, Washington Bulgers, Washington Top 100 Peaks, uh-huh. Mountaineers Snoqualmie Peak Pin, the first 10, Mountaineers Tianoway Peaks, Mazama Guardian Peaks. You're working pretty close to the Washington Top 200, or maybe like half. And then the Smoots list, you're kind of coming through. Too. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, I like I'm, Peak Baggers app. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> man. The Peak Baggers app is, is, uh, is a true gift mm-hmm. to. Uh, I just that app is awesome, but um, yeah, right now I'm I'm working the top two hundred list is like what's really motivating me to get out. So uh, that's good. You how is accomplishing um, the Bulgers? You're pausing for a second here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean I. I think I found myself in a, in a place where I had done like 50 of them, not even paying attention to it. And then I was like, well, I should probably finish these. Mm-hmm. So as over the course of time, you know, you start to like, oh, I'm never going to go climb like the Mox Peaks. Like that's, that's, I don't have the skill sets to do that. But well, over the course of time, you develop the skills and you're like, well, I guess I could go do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I got close, I was like, all right, I better better go finish this up and I finished it and it was awesome. Is that your first list that you decided to accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, all those other, like you listed a bunch of lists off there and like, I didn't even realize like, but they're also probably, you know, the Boulder list is a hundred peaks. Those ones are probably more like 20 classes. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're around in the twenties that you would just naturally go climb all those. If you get into climbing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Is, did you, was there any, like, when you decided to, to cross off or to do all the peaks and the bulgers, was, did that, like, add to your experience in peak bagging at that time, or did that take away from your experience in peak bagging? Added to it, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
it's just a fun goal-oriented way to go about it and you and you get to go all over the place like all these peaks are not just like in one like region of the cascades they're oh, like really? everywhere you know it's like all the volcanoes down in southern washington and then you know there's a bunch of stuff in the enchantments and then a bunch of stuff in the glacier peak wilderness and the Pasayan wilderness and the north cascades national park um so it's it's a cool it's like a really cool way to like see the whole range you know is there what's the bulgers list in particular do you know what that is yeah that's so that's the um 100 highest peaks in Washington. Oh. Is it actually the 100 highest peaks no, in Washington? No, 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 it's not. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's... But there's, it is classified as that. Yeah. yeah. That's but it's like... kind of target cheap. Right. Um, and I could get into the specifics of like what the, the Bulger list is versus what the true top 100 peaks of Washington is, but it's... I just ramble on just forever. We all want to listen to that shit. Um, but then there is like a true 100 highest peaks in Washington Um that it, it differs, you know, quite a bit from, from the Bulger list. And, and that, I've, I've finished that list as well. And that a lot less people do that one. Yeah. See, cause um, I, and I say that with the Bulgers, cause I remember some people saying like, oh, I like, I love like the Bulgers are really cool, but some of those fucking peaks, man. And maybe it was cause they were Choss Fests or something like that. Totally. We scared them. And, totally. Yeah. That's, but if you want to finish it, you know, you got to go, you got to go do the shitty ones too. That's, but that's something that's interesting about life, right? Is that, um, when you're, when you do it, when you're motivated by list rather than uh-huh. just like your pure desire to be out there, right? you get to do experiences you might've avoided and then you get to reflect Definitely. on those experiences. Definitely. And I, you know, yeah, like some of those peaks kind of suck, but like mm-hmm. those experiences don't suck. What is it? What does it mean though? When some of those peaks suck? Mm. I've heard people say like, "What Boston? What is that one?" Boston is a is a wonderful climb. Is it? And that's what I want to go up there. And yeah. when they say like, like, okay, so I did like, um, I'm not sure if you know like uh, Prime Rib and mm-hmm. uh, on Goat Wall in yep. Yep. There's like that you go up there and it's like a scree slope to get up there. Right. And people are like, "Worst approach I've ever I've ever fucking seen." That was like a choss pile. To like get up ten there. minutes. And I'm just that. like, yeah, and I'm like. It was, it's actually kind of fun if you I didn't wrap the route but to go yeah. down that kind of shit I like that this isn't that bad like what so so when people say like Choss Pile I have a really hard time like conceptualizing what is bad about some of these peaks that you might have been mm-hmm. on um, so Choss isn't enough for me so what's bad about some of the ones you went on if you just give maybe the, the degree of Choss so there's just widely accepted to be the worst Boulder Peak is this peak called Custer mm-hmm. I think it's Custer Ridge, I think is what it's called. Um, And to climb Custer Ridge, you have to go up this slope of scree where, you know, you take one step forward, half a step back, one step, because it's like, it's like, it's like you're in this constant battle with, it's hard for me to explain it in like terms that a more general audience Mm -hmm. would, you know, understand, but like, it's just awful. Oh, wow. It's just, it's very physically exerting and oh. kind of like dangerous in a way too. Like rocks are moving all over the place. And Oh, wow. Um, and dangerous is in like, you're not going to like lose the rock and fall to your death, but you might lose the rock and hit your partners. Totally. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to, you know, mitigate that risk. But, uh, 
Custer Ridge definitely sucks. But, you know, I look back on that on that climb and I'm like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's cool. Yeah. And um just got a few more things in closing is With like, do, is there anything in particular about peak bagging that you that you love the most? Like, there's we talked about the route finding going mm-hmm. to the brush, but there's even more. There's like, you have your glacier travel, you have your cl- rock climbing, scrambling, okay, hiking, yeah, maybe skiing, snowboarding, uh, or or street skiing. Yeah, well, that can be good. That can be good. That can be fast. Yeah, Um, I think just kind of like being out in the mountains Mm. and 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 spending time with my my friends, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But also like scrambling is awesome. Just like being in rugged terrain and um, that's the thing about it that you can probably relate to too is like it's kind of like hard to explain mm-hmm. why you love it so much you just kind of do did you have you gone to Black Peak before yeah so like the, not the, the northwest route or whatever this climbing route but the standard route I've just done the Lake. standard yeah so once you go um, once you go above and get onto the ridge uh huh and then you have to ascend the, the ridge line uh-huh. and then do the little corkscrew to get to the top. Yeah. That's that, all that right there. So like ascending the ridge, corkscrew, knowing that some people don't corkscrew mm-hmm. and they just go straight for it. And they're like, this is like fourth class or something. Yeah. And then like, they felt really scared. Right. Right. Um, and a no fall kind of maybe situation. But then I'm like, oh no, I know the corkscrew. And then like, it, it isn't like a, a path or cairns really. It's like, you just kind of had to feel it out. Mm-hmm. And it does look like if you went the wrong way, you get like really fucking cliffed out or something. Yeah. It's that, airy up there. That in that, that whole thing, like you're everywhere you look, you're looking down or in air. Yeah. And like, it just feels so cathartic. Yeah. And you know, it's all up to you to figure out the way. And there's even some ways you can go. that just be a little harder on right. the ridge. And I, I love that. Being, being up high, you know, I mean, cause you, you, there's all this effort that you did it takes to get up, up high into the mountains. But when you're, I guess that is like what you do it for is, you know, being up high and traveling through like alpine terrain is like so fun and so rewarding and so awesome. Yeah, that's what I even like paragliding is something that I'm like, oh, I like that because yeah. there's just something weird about me like. I just like a plane wouldn't even work. I probably like to do the planes, but yeah. like you have to like look forward, drive. But I like this like this looking, this observer effect. Uh-huh. It's so satisfying, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And so, that, was there a um, was there a peak that was particular an adventure that was particularly challenging for you, maybe emotionally or physically, that you look back on frequently? Hmm. When I was 19 years old, before I got into peak bagging, it was I was just like into backpacking. Um, a buddy of mine and I, we who I still who I climb with to this day, one of my best friends, um, we decided to hike from the Necklace Valley, so like on Highway Two, uh, 
uh, to Salmon Lasac, which is on I-90. So like a, you know, hike from Highway 2 to I-90. So I had my mom drop us off at one trailhead. And then this is like back before you'd like get cell service in the mountains too. So it was like, I told my sister, who I think was barely old enough to drive back then. (laughs) I was like, I need you to pick me up at this campground at this time on this day. And then me and my buddy hiked up over the mountains. And there's like, there's off trail um, involved in that and uh, a lot of solitude, you know? And we went and did that. That was like the first trip I'd ever done like that. It was just like, wow, this is cool. You know, we went, we went through it up there. Like they were really, yeah, there was some challenges, but. uh, Was it like um, relationship challenges or was it like you and dealing with the terrain kind of yeah that kind of stuff and like and like just being scared and like dealing with bad weather and like oh this is really what it's like to like be up here doing this shit like we didn't know what we were doing we were also carrying like 80 pound backs because we didn't know what we were doing how bad was the weather at times yeah just not the worst of weather of experience but you know being socked in and having it be rainy oh yeah in particular having it be socked in and like creating navigational um challenges because you can't see oh wow how did you feel then because of all that scared dude i remember being scared and um very uncertain of to what the immediate future was going to bring but i always think back on that on that trip and just like i mean that's like 15 years ago now wow um just being like yeah that was when i was like when i fell in love with the uh getting out there you know Mm -hmm. so have you ever have you ever cried not in life, but on... Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't... I don't know. I don't think so. I can't think of any of any particular... And I would be honest if I had, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's definitely been some moments of in, intense joy mm-hmm. where maybe it was the emotional... The level of, of like, the in, emotional intensity was similar to if I had been shedding tears, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever trembled from fear? Mm, yeah, mm, probably. Yeah. yeah. More than, more than a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In those moments, is it often that you were to have to calm yourself or did a partner often help you through those moments? Actually, the times that are gone through my mind right now where I was like real freaked out is when I'm solo. <laughs> Cause you don't got anybody to check in with. It's all you, you know? Do you feel like it's it's specifically because you don't have anyone to check in with? Or did you even put yourself in more committing terrain than you normally would have? Mm, probably a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, you know, just being up there by yourself. And, like, I carry an inReach now, but I used to not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I get hurt, like, I'm just, like, up here till like, somebody figures out that <laughs> I'm not coming home tonight, you know? Yeah. Um, did did that kind of thinking, when you didn't have the inReach, did that bother you psychologically at some points in your adventures? Like, was it a hang-up? Or were you able to deal with that and cope with, like, you know, if I get injured, I'm out here. Hopefully they find me. Yeah, I mean, you always leave an itinerary. Yeah, with, yeah. Like, my dad was always the person I left an itinerary with um but i like i like having the inreach now because mm-hmm. i mean it gives me and my family a sense of security where if something bad happens like i'm in reach but i also like 
get the draw of like going out there and not having that. So, so that, so that in didn't give you that emotional comfort to open yourself up to more commitment or whatever, more confidence. Yeah. You're that was never something that really kind of crossed your mind in that way. Cause you do like that being out there. Yeah. In that way. Cause that's I some do. people I've met some people. It's like, they wouldn't go out unless they have something like that. And when right. they didn't, they just wouldn't go out as much because yeah. sometimes they'd be scared and bail. Right. And when they had that, they're able to go out and do it. For me, it's like, Sometimes I even like, I, sometimes nothing at all, even if I didn't have like a GPS kind of thing. Right. Um, for some trips, you mm-hmm. know, like I'd go and do something even easy and I just, nothing. Right. And it's because that, that's sometimes that's really freeing. It's yeah, that's cool. Way. Yeah, I love that too. And you know, like, well, if I get lost out here. Go downstream. Yeah, and that's exactly, and that's <laughs> and you'll, like, you'll figure it out. My son would always he'd be like, when we go off, we used to when we go off trail, he'd be like, "What happens if we get lost?" And I'm like, "Like it's like it's pretty." I don't want to trivialize it for everybody, but in most situations, it's pretty straightforward yeah. to to be able to figure out where you need to go. Right. You know, and I always have it, even when I'm going up and over uh, mountains and stuff like that, uh-huh. or or um, mountain systems. So it's like. It's not just I'm going up a mountain and then down a mountain to go to my car, but when I go up and over into the other side, I still have all these things in my head constantly and doing this math of like, oh, I got to follow this river down. And then I got to go up a river across this basin and right. then down a river and now I'm back at my car. It's like, I, I feel pretty confident. In yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Which is, that's gratifying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I'm drawn to that, to be yeah. honest. Because it's like, that's... Even when I didn't know it, like I didn't do any of that stuff, and I told you I lived in you know Idaho before we talked uh-huh. uh, on the podcast. Um, I was going up up the mountain, yeah. and it was like, oh, okay, I can go down. But when I was a kid, I'd get like, what if, what if, and that was when I was like twelve. Right. So maybe that had like laid a foundation, and when I got into this stuff, it was I was doing it a lot like you have. Like uh-huh. I don't have a lot of mentors. I don't really have any mentors. Yeah. And I, didn't, I don't have any money for classes. I don't really want to take classes most of the time right but figuring it out as i go along and being safe with it um that was really compelling to me and i tried to tell some friends that and they were like that that was way out of their element they needed right. someone to really hold them along and take them you need to it. take the mounties basic whatever yeah yeah, yeah exactly. i never did any of that and for me it's like i didn't do any of that and i was like i didn't seem feel like for me personally that was interesting to me i wanted right. to have those bumps and bruises you know yeah I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that that's the way that I got into it myself. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I have friends and it's like, and even with my own son, I watch and it's like, okay, a little more mentorship or, Hey buddy, I got an inreach. I'll drop you off at this campsite yeah. when you're 14, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And he's like, you would do that? Like, that's scary. I'm like, oh, you'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to learn a few lessons out there, but you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and same with my with my mom, too. Um, like, I guess that might be a motherly thing, though. But it's just like, oh, you lost. I'm like, like, in the minute there, I might think about it in my head. Yeah. But she never put herself out there to have that potential experience. And me, right. I'm more apt to do so. And it's not for, it's just a, per, it might be a personality thing and a preference thing in some yeah. way. Yeah. Um, do you have, and then I got two more things. So was there anything in particular that drew you to the North Cascades? Because you have a lot of ascents in the North, mm-hmm. in the Cascades in general, but right. the North Cascades. Okay, yeah. Like in my earlier climbing career, I was more down, you know, Alpine Lakes. Mm-hmm. I did a ton of stuff in the Enchantments when I was, you know, young. Um, but you start coming up North and you just kind of, it's grander up here. 
Mm. You know, it's bigger. It's more rugged. It's harder. The peaks are harder. The trails are, I mean, there's nice trails, in, in, but there's some that are gone. And um, Is it fair to say that it's hard to actually see any of it unless you get on top of something? Like, because uh, when you drive through even the road in Highway 20, yeah, like mountains obscure all the other mountains. Right, and which is a very scenic drive. Got, and I tell people that all the time, like, if, you know, like, people are visiting here from wherever. I'm like, you got to go drive up Washington Pass. It's yeah. awesome up there. But getting on top of the peaks is a, is a very different scale. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing better than sitting up high in the morning on, as you know, in the North Cascades and... Uh, just enjoying existing up there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you've probably done quite a bit of glacial travel. Uh-huh. Um, what's that like in the North Cascades or just in general? Um, it can be kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, crevasses are, had a buddy of mine die on a glacier a couple of years ago, so. Jake. Jake, yeah. yeah. Um, we talked to Selena about it, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. But, um, so there's a lot of debate in since that happened about roping up versus not roping up versus, you know, and I think it's still an open debate in my, in my mind. I think, uh, certainly there are times where you should be roping up. Some, sometimes maybe it's the risk is, is low enough to where you don't have to rope up. Um, some of my first my first couple times being out on on big glaciers with you know I was on a rope team where I don't know what I was doing but like the people I was with were more experienced with me than me and crossing crevasses like that's some scary shit those things do not see the bottom of those you know being up on Mount Rainier and looking down I have never and that's the thing I haven't done a lot of glacier travel I've only practiced I just haven't been able to get on any teams and Uh do that kind of thing Uh and then uh, so but I've been very fascinated about like it's I'm so interested in them and even in the crevasses too because that like that sounds nuts that that far down the crevasses oh crazy I mean a lot of these peaks though the only way to the summit is across a glacier so you have to go across a glacier that's Um, cool it's very cool it's very cool we live in a the only place that's glaciated like this in the lower 48 there's nowhere else like this so uh, it's in, in the North Cascades in particular. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, glacier travel's great, but risky, mm-hmm. obviously. Did you did you have to, like, for you as a person, did you read about, like, glaciers and stuff and, like, study, like, how they break? Or do you go out there and, like, like for the crevasses and stuff, or do you go, were you mentored? Or do you just go out there and, like, and experience them when it's, like, the snowpack's really melted out and you can see it? Like, how is yeah. that? Your experience developed on that? Through experience, I guess. Um, you know, being up on, on, on those broken-up glaciers earlier in my climbing career, um, eye-opening. I mean, navigationally, that's, like, maybe... That's one of the hardest things to navigate in the mountains is, you know, getting... Weaving through crevasses and... Really? Um, is it like, cause there's like just a big crevasse and you have to get around it or there's just a lot of little ones sometimes. No, I mean, sometimes a big crevasse or that'll, it'll, I've had trips and there, you know, oh, wow. oh, this, we can't cross through here. This is, it's too, it's too broken up or mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, but that's what, 
part of what makes the North Cascade so special too. Mm-hmm. And they got it's got monsters. There's some big glaciers up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And like you, when you're traveling all on all of those, like there's not you don't really ever use any kind of like ice screws or anything like mm, that. No, sometimes. You do. Yeah, I mean occasionally. Um, but most of the time you just, yeah, you have your standard glacier, you know, ice axe, crampons, a couple pickets to build anchors if you need to, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I have luckily never had any sort of bad incident on a glacier. So hopefully keep that streak alive. Yeah, we'll <laughs> knock on wood there. Um, but like I said, you know, my only, the only person that I have, that I know that I was close to that passed away in the mountains was due to an accident on a glacier. So, but it wasn't a crevasse. It was not a crevasse. A, that's an important. That's a, that's an important distinction. To what it was. Um, it was a glacial hole. Glacial hole. Yeah. Um, I had actually passed through that same area uh, where his accident happened, like a month before that. So that feels pretty real to me, Whoa. you know? Mm-hmm. He was just there later than me, so it was more melted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that was known to be a safer, or safe glacier in terms of crevasses, right? Wasn't that the consensus? That reputation has been um, has been uh, erased. Yeah. yeah. But not because of the crevasse, but because of the, um, the hole, right? Right. Because that's right. a different thing. That's like how they, like, they... Let's get to the weeds and that, but we don't have to. But like, yeah. it, it's, it melts in a certain way. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was close to a rock wall where, you know, there was a big, huge hole. It's hard to explain. To yeah. Me, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's cool. Um, but he found a hole, unfortunately, mm-hmm. basically. You know, I guess the moral of the story is that glaciers are. Uh, not to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's. So did you get to see like you've been on them when they're broken up and later in the season? So uh-huh. you get to see a lot of that like glacial ice. Yeah. What kind, is it like a different color texture? Like to walk on it? What's that? Um, it's blue. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking. Blue, blue. Yeah, blue, blue well, ice, glacial ice, um, ablated ice. Uh, it's not super. F- pleasant to walk on no yeah you got crampons on usually and then it's like all hard blah 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 but um i mean generally like i don't really like in my experience you don't really walk across glacial ice very often Mm because if you're you know later in the season glacier travel becomes more difficult Mm -hmm. because they're more broken up and so you know you try to get your glacier climbs out of the way earlier in the summer Mm -hmm. generally speaking yeah um yeah. And then, um, so what was your, did you like being able to climb the volcanoes? Like with those here in Washington? Yeah. Um, it was a pretty cathartic experience for you. My first one was Glacier Peak, actually. Like the rare one. <laughs> like the hardest one, you know, the furthest one in of or whatever. Of course. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, beautiful, awesome, awesome, awesome trip. Um, I didn't climb Mount Rainier until... I was pursuing the boulder list. I never had much interest in it because it's like crowded and like, mm-hmm. um, but that was a good trip. We car to it. So, you know, just no camping or anything, just up to the top and back down. 
I plan Rainier like twice now, I guess. Oh, you times. did? Yeah. Did you like it the second time too? Yeah, it was cool. It's a good trip. Did you go up a different route the second time? Yeah. yeah. So I've done the I've done the DC and then I've done the second time I did the Emmons. And then I've done the I've tried to do the couts once, but uh we got stormed off. Do you do you enjoy doing car to car um trips? Yeah, but I think I'm slowing down a little bit. Oh you old man. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Definitely uh I do enjoy car to car trips, but I think I'm kinda of like just more into slowing down a little bit like I still like long approaches and doing long trips and, and hurting but um, if you can go stay the night out why not yeah you know see beautiful stuff exactly alright last one what's the longest car to car trip you've ever had Mount <laughs> um, Olympus how long was that 40 something miles 44 miles how many hours do you think or like days or 20 20 hours how are you feeling back at the car? Rough, man. Rough. <laughs> That's how Crescent uh, Peak was for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a long car to car, too. Yeah. Um, that was pretty suffering, but <laughs> glad I did it. Yeah. So. It's a good memory. Yeah. Is there anywhere that people could check out your YouTube videos or anything like that? Um, just Google my name, Fletcher Jordan, and I think I'll pop up on YouTube. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, Fletcher. I Thanks, appreciate man. you, man. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to find more about Fletcher, check out his YouTube, Fletcher Jordan. And you can find him on Peak Bagger through the link in the show notes and on the website. A particular video I liked the most was Spider Mountain. We talked about it quite a bit on the podcast. I'll link to that in the show notes too. And I'm going to play you out with a full song by Enzo called Overthinker. I'm a sucker for Alan Watts, and this is my jam. Kind of reminded me a lot about the experience or peak bag, especially solo. You're in your head a lot, so <laughs> overthinking definitely can be a, a dilemma. Without any further ado, here we go. Bye. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, is useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we can use science with the real world. Meditation.
would have rather money than tangible wealth. And a great occasion is somehow spoiled for us unless photographed. And to read about it the next day in the newspaper is oddly more fun for us than the original event. This is a disaster. For as a result of confusing the real world of nature with mere science, we are destroying nature. We are so tied up in our minds that we've lost our senses. Time to wake up. What is reality? Obviously, no one can say because it isn't words. It isn't material, that's just an idea. Reality is... We must go on. 